started a new series called On Earth as It's in Heaven. Now, this is a line, as many of you know, from the Lord's Prayer. It's a line that many of us are very familiar with. It might be the second most popular line in Christendom. The first one is, what would Jesus do? Not in the Bible, but the first one is definitely, what would Jesus do? But the problem with that prayer is, though, we know what Jesus did. We have a whole book that talks about what Jesus did. We have four books in a row that talks about what Jesus did. They're called the Gospels. We can ask the question, what would Jesus do? We know exactly what he did. In fact, Jesus, in his entire ministry, wrestled with the idea of the scripture-filled location. That there were, there was a, a whole landscape of history. There were many prophetic writings that talked about what Jesus would do. In fact, you see that the Messiah didn't really have total ring over his own life. God himself wrote down in scripture and wrote down through history what Jesus was to do. And one day he knew that his brother, his past author, would lead to the cross. And in light of the Lord's prayer, keep this in mind that Jesus, we know his story. We know what he would do. We know that from the beginning because we've read the book. We celebrate the Bible. But we also know that Christ was dealing with his entire life a scripture filled with history. That he must do what God called him to do and come back in scripture. So if you have your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, chapter 6 and verse 9, and we're going to read the Lord's prayer. So then, and this is how you should pray. He's talking to folks like us, disciples, people who want to follow in the way of Jesus. He says, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins or debts or trespasses, as we also forgive those who have debts against us. We have debts against us. Our youth is not into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. Like many of us are very familiar with this prayer. In Catholic school, as we grew up in Catholic school in the area, you are very familiar with this prayer. You pray all the time. You pray for peace. You pray for meals. You pray whatever, lightning strikes. You pray whatever. It's just the one you go to. If you have to pray, you know this is the easy one. But everyone in the church will know, or everyone in your congregation will know. You just pray the Lord's Prayer. But many of us have overlooked what it really means, or the Direct theology that's linked to the idea of the Lord's Prayer. In fact, Jesus, when he's talking here, is talking about an idea or creating a landscape for the theological concept of the atonement. The atonement is just a very nice word to say when we're trying to describe what it meant that Jesus would die from our sins. It's a very nice law or a theological way to say what it means when we say Jesus died for our sins. So, what was Jesus thinking about when he faced the cross? What was Jesus thinking about when he led, when he led like a lamb to the slaughter to the cross? And the time we see the Lord's prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for Christ, that was all about this atonement factor that he would find his path straight to the cross. And our path actually doesn't deviate much longer. Jesus, his entire earthly ministry, was focused on this very simple idea of the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He phrased it in the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom was the primary focus. God's kingdom, coming to earth, is the primary focus of the Christian Jesus talked about. And we might get a little bit confused because Matthew uses terms like kingdom of heaven and other 
man will be done where? On earth, as it is in heaven. It's the idea of God's kingdom is just an ethereal concept. It's just something in heaven itself, the celestial dwelling place of God. That's here. Then how does he expect the kingdom and the will of God to be done here on earth? There must be something more to it. There must be a greater sense of the idea or the term or the knowledge of what it means to see God's kingdom come. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is less about a place where God is and his domain is settled. The kingdom of heaven is more about the establishment of the rule of God in physical domain than anywhere we find it. So it's here on earth. The kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God here on earth. So when Jesus says, your kingdom comes, your will be done, they are tied together. They are never easily separated. The kingdom, the way that God operates here, against the backdrop of his will, what he's destined us to do and to accomplish without settle itself on earth. When Jesus was on this planet, he was doing the kingdom. Everything he did was from the landscape or the lens of the kingdom of God. He talked about the kingdom all the time. He gave us parables about how the kingdom was in operation, about how we are to manifest the kingdom. And thirdly, he talked about the inauguration of the kingdom. It's beginning, it's settling, it's movement here in our midst. We're about to see an inauguration, whether we like it or not, whether we vote or not, whether our guy wins or not, we will see an inauguration in the next few weeks, the next few months. We will see someone put their hand on the Bible and swear to this people group of the United States that they will uphold the Constitution of this land. So they will swear on that Bible, they will take an oath that this new administration will stick to the principles written in our founders' documents. This inauguration starts a new, a new thread and a new idea. Even if it's a continuation of the previous administration, it starts again to re-up the idea of the promise that was established in what was already pre-written. In the same way, when Jesus comes to inaugurate the kingdom, he's not writing something new. He's saying, no, all of our heaven works and operates, backed up by the will of God, to come and be present in our everyday life. But the kingdom of heaven should manifest itself here on earth, and the first way that happens is to each and every one of us. Here's where the revolution begins. Here's where the, the, the revolution really starts to take a turn. His agenda, the agenda of Jesus was to really bring heaven's authority down to planet earth to people like you and I, to broken people, to misunderstood people, to folks who aren't exactly perfect, to people who have been wayward most of their life. God was calling people like you and I to establish his kingdom here on this earth. The place happened was radically different than most of us would have ever imagined. Jesus knew that the revolution would only come by way of his death and his resurrection. He knew that God's will, your kingdom coming, your way of operation, God would come, and that it would settle in the backdrop of your will. That on earth it would be as it is in heaven, and in heaven God gives and gives his most sacred thing to redeem back that which he values most. Jesus knew that when God set up this process, that he would be given over as God's most sacred instrument to redeem back sinful men. Those who seem and look like their low value would be 
given Savior who's infinitely worth more than all of humanity Thank you. 
so much better, so much greater. He gives the men of the time a story and broken heart that was not able to hear from God. He takes that story heart and he gives them a heart of flesh that would be after him. There's a new ability from heaven to love God and to love others with their whole heart and all of their strength. All of these things come because Jesus instituted a heaven-to-earth policy. Jesus decided that the kingdom of heaven would reign here on earth by the backdrop of God's will. The earth would now settle into its intended state as heaven flows from Christ himself. This is the prayer that gives us. That we would understand that we are not our own, we are bought with Christ, and that that price is so significant that we can't sit idly by and hope that heaven finally makes its way and makes its appearance in our everyday life. Who I know the kingdom of heaven looks like? Turn to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14. This is a prophetic vision that Daniel has of what it looks like when Messiah would finally come. In verse 13, he says this. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like the Son of Man coming to cloud heaven. He approached the ancient one. He was led into his presence. This is Daniel seeing Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, being brought into the very presence of the throne room of God. And he said that he was given honor and authority and sovereignty over all nations of the world so that the people of every race, every nation, every language would obey him. Rule is eternal. It will. It will never end. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Think about what that says there in the last portion of the verse. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Our minds think of a kingdom, castles and lands and large groups of people huddling under the kingship of the the demigod. Yeah, in the scripture, it's not talking about that idea. He's referencing the concept of the ruling and reigning of God. But of his rule, and of his reign, it will never end because he himself is an eternal being who has eternal consequences in all that he does. And guess what? When you get sick and you wonder, God, are you going to heal me? Heal before? What changed? His rule, the rule of heaven, is forever. He's forever established. He will never be destroyed. Your sickness can destroy what God has already paved the way for through heaven coming to earth. When you wonder if you have enough to pay your bills and whether or not poverty is the only lifestyle that you will ever know, understand that there is a different way of living, a kingdom-centered way of living, where God Himself helps guide and aids us, even in financial matters, so that we not only have enough to meet our needs, but we have enough to meet the needs of others. That's called prosperity. He intends for us to be a prosperous people. We'll get to that in a moment. God also intends that we would be a holy people, set apart, separated, that the world would look to us in wonder, in awe, and amazement. How did this work out for you? Why? I don't pray by the rules of their system anymore. When heaven comes to earth, you don't have to bend. You're not going to fix this practical thing. You go to God first and say, God, I'm going to do When heaven comes to earth, you don't ask for a doctor back on the office. You put heaven first. God, what is heaven's rule, reign, and authority in my life? 
but if I don't burst up, how do I deal with this thinking word broken heart issue? How does my heart become whole and heaven is whole and perfect and peaceful? Anything in this life that is broken and doesn't mirror the image that we see of heaven is something that needs to be brought on the subjection of the kingdom of God. God, this is how your kingdom works. We are victims. God, this is how your kingdom works. We must figure out exactly how to pull heaven down to earth. This is exactly what he says in the Lord's prayer. That heaven would come to earth. Why is it so important? What are the friends that I like to use often? Some of you might think that I'm using this because I want to sound smart. It's an old Latin phrase. Sometimes it's hard to sound smart without a phrase. So. My wife calls me smart all the time. She just doesn't know the word of it. I'm joking. She wouldn't do that. Not much anyway. The whole message of Jesus centers around the idea the pursuit of the cross itself was the announcement that God had become king. But in God becoming king, he had to do something. He had to vanquish the foe that was against humanity. God brings the victory. I will use this term, this Latin term, Jesus Victor, Jesus Christ, the Victor. We don't say it because it sounds good. We don't say it because it's the old Latin term that we use in church that makes it sound holy and polished. We say it because it means something. Jesus Christ is the final victory. That's how heaven comes to earth. That's why we can trust that we win in the end, regardless of what we're experiencing in life right now. So Jesus is back in the resurrection. The victory of God came to beat away, to throw in the trap, to overcome, to reduce the rubble, to combat what we have, our personal flaws against sin and the nature of sin. That we're never good enough, that we're never strong enough, and that the wages of sin have their the way in our lives, it's going to be Jesus, God out, and to God will otherwise resurrect. Now, the time to go over all the verses, but I think many of us are familiar with the idea of Passover. And over this last week, I've been adhering to a podcast on Facebook and to the other podcast for our church, uh, other podcast channels about communion. And we talked a little bit about Passover. Passover comes uh, from this idea of animal sacrifice that was very real in the lives of the Jewish people, the ancient Jewish people. And they come to a place where they are held, they are held by a passive power called Egypt. Being held by this oppressive power, the people of God find a deliverer in Moses. As they're about to be delivered through many plagues, there's a final plague that comes where God would send the best firstborn of all of their livestock and all of their homes, unless they had one thing in simple faith. They killed a lamb, the lamb was killed, the blood was then pasted over the doorpost, and they ate the roasted flesh of that lamb as they prepared for their journey. This is the beginning of the Exodus narrative. You and I come to Jesus. We share in part in this idea of Passover. Jesus becomes that sacrificial lamb. His blood is pasted over the doorpost of our heart. And any plague that will come by our life, we are hidden from, we are in Christ Jesus. Sin can't touch us. The wages of sin can't touch us. Sickness can't touch us. And then we eat of that body. We eat of that broken body as a representation of strength for our journey. But we don't stop there. Too many of us take communion. We then go for salvation, and we part behind the blood wall that Christ has called us to. Yet, what do the people of Israel do? They are not loose from their bondage. They are free from their 
We're waiting for the financial system to finally level out and reduce something like what we said was going to happen. That's what happened to us first. We're waiting for so many things to fix themselves and other people to get sick rather than recognizing the seal of heaven that God calls heaven to earth and that happens to us, the individual, first and primarily. We need to come to a place where we recognize the worthy institution. Not the church, not the building, not the community of people. We are the institution where earth starts to mimic all And that's what that says. All kinds of all workers. People who are sick of others. Please, I'm going to do that for you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that for you. You mean God really feels your own eyes? Yeah, you're going to hear people really well. Who do you want to do that for? I'm going to let you feel not. So, then God brought me back. No, but you don't understand. There has to be a rational reason. No, you don't do it. I live in the victory of Jesus. I am an instrument of being heaven to earth. And when it happens, my life changes drastically and dramatically. When it happens, I'm so up and so off all of what God has done in my life. You know, he's not afraid to talk this way as much as I thought you were a good Bible fan. I don't mean to say that this is good thing for their religion. Something great happens to life. What's the first thing out of their mouth? I'll be dead. Something good happens in their community. A brother or a sister gets a raise or a job or a person. What's the first thing that happens? Well, I'll be dead. That's all I'll How come Christians won't say in a public sphere, thank you, Jesus? You wonder why heaven smashing the earth yet we haven't seen revival? We won't even use our lips to thank God and pull the cord for all that he's done for us. We can run into the face by boss. What's with your boss? Oh, I'm going to be stupid. Thank God it's about time. Maybe it's about time. You didn't have any, you didn't have any right to have money? You didn't have any right to have raise? That's where you work hard. And yes, I'm sure it's deserving. If I walked you up every day, he gave you the strength to get the job done. He made sure your boss would recognize your efforts. He paid the way for you to have the job. Maybe it's time we thank him for all that he's done in our lives. And we recognize the moment that heaven is invading earth. The question is, are they simple at the same time? Is the kingdom of God alive? What should we know
And again, you give God peace for things that God will do. Because when God does great things in our life, we recognize that it's really pouring itself into our through our physical human vessel. We want to give him the do that is struck. We want to give him the thanks that he's worthy of. We won't come to him and say, thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. But it's actually the smartest, simple one, but a difficult one. Is the kingdom of God alive? Is it alive in your heart? Come to life to bear witness and to birth a new reality in your heart. Or are we still waiting for the perfect day God answers our prayers? Exactly the way it is. Imagine a large challenge to us because God's working in our lives. And it's often a complex way to do it. Folks, so listen, you want God to do something and He's working, and you want Him to do the way to do it rather than the way He intends to do it. It's not always going to come packaged perfectly. Sometimes God's going to do things in our lives in a way to call us to work a little bit. That's the fact. Work's not a four letter word. Sometimes heaven to earth comes in ways that we never anticipate. Your kingdom comes, your rule, and your reign. So will be done by your attention to my life, be done on earth. It is in heaven. We slip back to God and we pull heaven down to earth. The world is set to rise in us. Every time we pray that prayer, we need it because we are intended to be all that God has called us to be. And of course, that is as an individual. And I want to encourage you as we in sermon. Where in your life is God pouring heaven to earth and we're not responding? Where in your life is God pouring heaven to earth and we're not honest enough with ourselves and those around us to say all that God is doing for us? Where in our life are we shying away because the public opinion is going to talk about religion and politics? So we find a way all the good things that God's done for us and, and we, we put it in the little corner and, and if we're asking, maybe we'll expose them. When will, be, when will we be strong enough to shout loudly, look at all the things that God has done for us? 